Amen. What a holy night that was that night in Bethlehem when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was born. Amen. And the reason he was born is because God so loved the world that he sent Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Good to see you again this morning. And if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Hosea, Hosea, Hosea chapter 4. I want to talk to you this morning on the topic, the danger of turning away from God. Folks, the greatest thing that a person can do, especially a saved person, is to turn away from God. And we call it as Baptist backsliding, okay? But there comes a time that God will draw a line in the sand and say to you or to me, you better get back because I will not tolerate this forever. Now, one verse we're going to start with this morning. We've got a lot of verses to look at in the book of Hosea. But let's begin with verse 17 of chapter 4. Ephraim is joined to idols. Now, here's the sad part. Let him alone. Can you imagine getting to the point in your life that God says, I'm backing off, that God says, I'll no longer allow my spirit to speak to you. Look, in this one short verse, we see the saddest statement in in Scripture. The people of Ephraim had, had become so attached to their idols that God finally says to them, Let them alone to suffer the consequences. Have you ever got to the point in your life that maybe God has said that about you? That God continually tried to draw you back, draw you back, draw you out of that sin that you had found yourself in, and finally God just threw up His hands and said, you know, I'm backing off, I'm leaving you alone, suffer the consequences of your choice. Folks, how sad that is. Yet so many people, God has to say that too. In one sense, this command may relate to the the prophet Hosea's interaction with these people. Some would say, well, he's actually talking about Hosea's interaction with this people. You know, let them alone. Don't make friends of them. Don't accept counsel from them. In other words, don't join yourself to them. You know, and that would make sense in the sense that, you know, this is the same counsel that that Jesus gave concerning the Jewish leaders who uh, consistently, you know, rejected him. In fact, in Matthew 15, 14, he says, let them alone. uh, They be blind leaders, let them lead the blind. If they they lead the blind, both shall fall into a ditch. You see, the counsel we see here is that we should not follow the lead of those who are so glued to their personal idols and selfish ambitions that they reject the authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In short, we as Christians, friends, shouldn't run around with people, you know, who, 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 who do not, uh, you know, are, or who do not accept the authority and the power of God because they're involved in their own sin and their own wrongdoing. But primarily, it's clear in this passage of Scripture that God is informing Hosea of something entirely different than that. You know, as the prophet, he will no longer be given any message for the people of Ephraim. In other words, God is saying, that's it. No more messages, uh, uh, Hosea. 
You know, I've given you message after message after message. The people have rejected the message. They have rejected the message. I am backing off. I am pulling away. You know, he's saying here, God will no longer speak to them anymore. You know, I have persisted in, they have persisted in rebellion and idolatry so long and, and so unrepentant that God says, I'm backing away. I'm backing away. Look, what a terrifying reality this is, folks, to be so hardened in sin that God no longer even wants to speak to you. Can you imagine that? That there's so much unconfessed sin in your life, there's so much habitual sin in your life, that God gets to the point, He don't even want to talk to you no more. God forbid. But that's what God is telling Hosea here. Listen, never trust in your own strength, your wisdom, or your goodness so much that you develop relationships with idolaters and expect to pay, uh, uh, remain holy in your life. Look, don't neglect God's mercy and put off his repentance. What did Paul say in the book of Hebrews? He said, today, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. In other words, when God speaks to you, you better listen. When God speaks to you, there better not be sin in your life that you're saying, I'm going to choose this sin over the voice of God. And yet so many people do that. And that's what had happened with the nation of Ephraim. You know, they had gotten to the point their idols meant more to them than the Word of God. Their idols meant more to them than the prophets of God. Their idols meant more to them than God Himself. And God just threw up His hands and He said, enough is enough. How sad when a person continues so long in sin that their heart becomes so hardened that they can no longer hear the voice of God. And folks, that pertains to save people. Because they get wrapped up in sin. And they get so far away from God. And God, after continually trying and trying and trying to draw them back by way of the Holy Spirit, they continue to reject God. And every time we reject God, folks, it puts a little callous over our heart. We reject Him again, another layer of callous, another layer of callous, another layer of callous. Until our heart gets so callous, folks, we never hear the voice of God. Look, Ephraim, it, it, it was speaking here about really the whole people of Israel, that northern tribe, them ten tribes, they had all went crazy, okay, when it come to idols. The ten tribes, you know, in that northern kingdom had been warned and warned again and again, and because they didn't pay attention to the warning, they refused the message of God and remained in their sin. At, at last, God was provoked, and he said to his servant Hosea here, you know, Ephraim has joined themselves to idols, leave them alone. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's sad. That is sad. Now, here's the thing. No longer, he's what he's basically saying to them, no longer waste your energy on these backslidden Baptists. Okay? No. On these backslidden minds as their case has become utterly hopeless. God forbid that we ever allow ourselves to get so wrapped up in sin and so backslidden that we've become utterly hopeless for God. Cease your labor. Go somewhere else where hearts will be touched and, and ears will be open to the Word of God. But leave them alone. Can you imagine? Can you imagine getting so involved in sin, so involved uh, you know, in idols, so involved in you know, uh, other things that you put before God that God says, you know, no more. Will your heart be touched? Leave me alone. You know, how sad that a person 
a group of people or a nation can get so tangled in sin that God would tell his prophets, that God would tell his pastors, that God would tell his messengers, no longer waste your time and energy on them. Look, that's one thing hopefully I don't have to worry about is God telling me no longer waste your uh, time with these folks at Fairview because I know you're not going to allow yourself to get that away. But folks, we've got to be mindful of that. Because that's where Satan wants you to get. That's where Satan wants to take you. Is away from God to the point that you no longer hear the word of God. You no longer hear the voice of God. The Holy Spirit can no longer convict you because you've calloused yourself over because of the sin in your life. And God will have to say to the pastor, "Uh, Gene, don't waste your time on them no more. Just let them go. God forbid. Look, God's grievance against Israel you know, charged her with, with an apostate spirit and many lawless and uh, uh, wicked deeds. Look, truth and loyalty had been replaced by lying and immorality. Does that sound like any nation we can think of here today to where, you know, truth and loyalty has been replaced with lying and immorality? Look, you may ask, why wouldn't God just rebuke them? Pastor, why, why couldn't God just rebuke them instead of completely removing his hand from them? That would be a good question, wouldn't it? Why did he have to completely remove his hand from them? Why did he have to completely take his prophet away? Why did he have to completely take his word away? Why couldn't he just rebuke them and left it with that? Let me tell you something. The reason is once people get to this stage that Ephraim was, rebuke is pointless. Because it's simply ignored. There was no need in God rebuking them. They would ignore it just like they've been ignoring the word that Hosea was bringing before them. Their heart becomes hardened and they're able to to hear the voice of God. Look, Israel had forgotten the law of their God and therefore therefore was uh, was left to face judgment because of a lack of knowledge. You see, if we don't receive the word of God, folks, we don't have knowledge of the word of God. And that's where Ephraim have gotten. God told him in verse 6, look over at verse 6 here in this passage. He said this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. Now, for them to reject knowledge means that they had rejected the Word of God because that's where we get our knowledge, correct? So God is saying to them, you've rejected my Word. Therefore, you do not have the knowledge of me. He goes on, he says, I will also reject thee. Folks, this is some strong words from God. I will also reject you. You you rejected my word? Guess what? I'm going to reject you. Guess what? I'm going to tell my prophet just to back off and leave you alone. Let's read on. I'm going to reject you that thou shall, uh, now look at this that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. You know what? It wasn't just the people. It was the preachers, too. You see, preachers aren't perfect. I don't want to hear no amen from that, okay? But preachers aren't perfect. And what he's saying is it's not just the people. It's not just the congregation. He's saying it was even the priest here. Not only had the people, but the priest, uh, you know, uh, also the priest who encouraged sin and their, to their own advantage, they would be eliminated too. Now, what could cause such a change in people? What could get people to this state 
that God would have to call his prophet off. You see, the spirit of prostitution had called, is, caused Israel to go astray. Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 in Hosea 4. They had developed, because of their worship of idols, a spirit of prostitution. You say, well, what in the world does that mean? They were prostituting themselves against God. They were supposed to be loyal to God, but they were no longer loyal to God. They were loyal to their idols. Look what he says here in verse 12. My people ask counsel at their stop, and their staff declared unto them, for the spirit of whoredom hath caused them to err, and they have gone whoring after another God. You say, well, how does someone go a whoring after another God? How does someone prostitute themselves to another God? Folks, anything we put before God Jehovah, anything that we cast Him aside in order to put our focus on and give our full attention to, you are whoring after other gods at that point. You are prostituting yourself. And when God continually tries to call you out of that lifestyle of prostitution against Him, and you continually reject the calling of the Holy Spirit of God, you continually reject His Word, listen to me. Just like with the nation of Ephraim, He will say, back off, leave them alone. May we never get to that point in our life. Listen, God is long-suffering. God is full of mercy. But there is a line in which we cannot cross. Look, it's dangerous to presume that, that God will always continue to forgive. I know we've heard that time and time and time again. God is a forgiving God. God is a forgiving God. God is a forgiving God. God is a forgiving God, folks. But God is a God of justice. There's two sides to God. Just like there's a you know, sharp-edged sword, okay? There's two sides. So we can't get so focused on, on the forgiveness of God that we neglect to understand that there's justice side of God also. Also. He will one day become a consuming fire for those who refuse to obey and believe Him. You see, every time you refuse to listen to the message of mercy, what you do is strengthen yourself in unbelief. Let me say that again. Every time we refuse to listen to the message of mercy, you strengthen yourself in unbelief. That's what I was talking a while ago about. We callous ourselves over, callous ourselves over, callous ourselves over, callous ourselves over. Folks, we can't allow ourselves to get to that point. Every time you fail to open the door of your heart to Christ, you become more and more unwilling to listen to His voice, and you diminish your chance of responding to what might be the last appeal of mercy from God. The last appeal. How scary. Don't let it be written of you as with ancient Israel. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him go. Don't, don't take the chance of, of, of Christ weeping over you as he wept over Jerusalem. You remember the day he was up on the hill and he was looking down at Jerusalem and he just wept because of the unbelief of Jerusalem. And he said in, in Luke 4, 13, he said, How often have I, have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing and, and, and you were not willing. 
You are not willing. Look, your house is left desolate. Folks, are we willing to listen to the voice of God? Are we willing to heed the voice of God? Are we willing to, for God to, you know, uh, or to, uh, are we willing to walk out of the sin that God is calling us out of? Look, for those who refuse to turn from their evil, evil ways, the Scripture contains many similar warnings here. First of all, he says in Genesis 6, 3, my spirit will not always strive with man. He also says in Matthew 15, 14, you know, leave them. There are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, they're both going to fall into a pit. He also says in Matthew 7, 6, don't give what is holy to the dogs and do not throw the pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And then he says in Romans 1 and 28, Furthermore, just as they did not like to think worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do that they ought not to do. You know what Paul is saying there to the church at Rome? The same thing God was telling Ephraim here, back off, leave them alone. Their mind has done been reprobated. They're not going to hear the word, so don't waste your time with them. So many people want to focus on the fact that God is love, and therefore he is a God of love. Therefore, he would never send no one to hell. Look, the fact is, God is love, and God is the God of love. But God is also uh, the God of justice. And though he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, the fact is, the fact is, not all will choose to repent. Not all will choose to repent, rather choose to remain in their sinful, apostate, prostituted ways instead of turning back to God. Therefore, it's not God sending them to hell it is they choosing to spend eternity eternally separated from God in the devil's hell. That's their choice. You say, well, what person in their right mind would choose to spend eternity in hell? That's the key. They're not in their right mind. Their mind has developed into a reprobate mind, a deprived mind. Why? Because God has pulled away and said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. You see, the, the danger for those who refuse to accept the mercy and grace of God is that when God brings upon them these terrible crises, you know, uh, of being, they're being left at that point to follow their own ways. They start making their own unwise decisions and the conscience becomes more and more seared. And as a result of that, the voice of God seems to become more and more distant. And then the person is left to make their own uh, you know, uh, decisions, their passions, their lies, their hypocrisy. And folks, when this happens, the person resists every appeal from the Holy Spirit. They, 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 they despise all counsel and advice, and they turn from the provisions made to them, for them, for salvation. You see, once a person gets in this state, folks, the Spirit of God no longer exercises the restraining power over them. Sentences pass, and according to Hosea chapter 5, verse 4, look at Hosea 5, 4, flip over there. When a person gets to their, this point in their life, 
Here's what God said again to Hosea. Their deeds do not permit them to return to God. Now think about that. Their deeds do not permit them to return to God. Has, you know, the Holy Spirit has convicted them. The Holy Spirit has drawn them. But they continue and they continue and continue to reject that call. And God says here, their deeds do not permit them to come to God. How sad. Let's read on in that verse. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart, and they do not acknowledge the Lord. Look, this is the process through which the soul passes that rejects the working of the Holy Spirit and refuses to hear God's warning as they are too far gone. Folks, these should be sobering words to anyone who is becoming rebellious in their life. But what he... what he actually gives here in, in, the, in our next thing here, Satan promises pleasure and comfort and, you know, excitement. But what he actually gives is bondage to lust, immorality, and eternity in a lake of fire. Satan promises that everything's going to be a bed of roses if you'll just follow him. But what he actually gives is a life of bondage to lust, immorality, and eternity. Look, unfortunately... People are so oblivious to their behavior, disobedience, lack of knowledge, and their actions that they don't even realize. They don't even realize that they will not be a part of an eternity in heaven. Rather, they'll spend eternity in hell. And again, that's their choice. You know, that's their choice. You know, you come to me and say, I don't believe a loving God would send nobody to hell. I'll agree with you. But that person makes the choice by rejecting God and his word, that that's where they'll spend eternity. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Look, as long as a person has a sense of conscience, though, as long as their conscience hadn't been seared, as long as there's just a little bit of conscience left in a person, You know, that person has hope that they can yet still turn to God. But folks, if all conscience is gone, there is no hope. And I believe the reason that there is no hope is because God's done gave the order, back off, leave them alone. Because God knows there's no conscience there. And God knows without that conscience, the Holy Spirit has nothing to work with. However, to continue in their present course it's deadly and the time will come perhaps uh, uh, sooner than they think when God will say let them alone you know as we read through the book of Hosea we see that that God will not allow sin to go unpunished however you know it tells also of God's mercy it tells of God's mercy it tells of God's earnest desire you know that was that his people would repent of their sins and look at uh, Hosea 14.1 flip over to Hosea 14.1 God pleads with them. In other words, God didn't want to pull back. God didn't want to just say, leave them alone. God didn't want to say, I'm through with them. Why? Because God's love wanted them to have a relationship with them. God's love wanted them to, you know, repent of their sin of prostitution, their whoredom. And look what he says to them here in uh, Hosea 14.1. Oh, Israel. Now, when it says, oh, that's coming from the heart. That's a plea. O Israel, return to the Lord thy God, 
for thou hast fallen in thy iniquity. That was God's desire. That was God's prayer. Return. Return. God wants us all to serve him. And that is what our hearts truly should desire. You know, he, 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 wants, he wants our actions to reveal a heart of humility and subjection to his will. That's what he wants. Look at Hosea 14.2. Hosea 14.2. With this thought in mind, he wants our actions to reveal a heart of humility and, and subjection to his will. Hosea 14.2 says this. Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say to him. Now, this is what God is suggesting. You're at this point. I'm going to tell my prophet to back off. I'm going to keep my word from you. But, oh, Israel, what did he say? You know, you know, return to me. Return to me. And then he says here, take with you words and turn to the Lord and say this. Here's what your prayer should be. Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. You see, when we get to the point that Ephraim was, that's the only prayer we have. The only prayer we have. Lord, forgive me of my iniquity and graciously receive me back into your fellowship. Graciously. Look, God desires his people to earnestly seek him and confess their sins. That's what God's desire is. Look at Hosea 5.15. Look at Hosea 5.15. Again, this is, this is some pretty sad things what God is saying here too. Hosea, the whole book of Hosea, I guess. He's, Hosea 5.15, here's what he says. And again, remember, these people had prostituted themselves. They were serving other gods. They were serving these idols and all this. And God says this to him, Hosea 15, or 5, 15. Then I will return to my place. Whoa, what's God saying? I'm going back to my throne. I've sit here, I've called you, I've sent prophets to you, I've pleaded with you, I've, I've begged you to return to me. Now he says, I'm going to return to my place. Until, okay, I'm, I'm glad that word until is there. So what's until mean? Until mean, it means there's still hope, okay? There's still hope. Until, until they admit their guilt and turn to me. Now, again, I'm glad that word until is in there because God is saying to them, I'm going back, going back to my throne, and this is where I'm going to be. Until you repent and return to me. And then what's God saying? I'm coming back. I'll be right back. God would be back that quick, folks, that quick. Let, let's, re, let's read on this. For as soon as troubles come, and this, oh, my gosh, I could give you testimony after testimony about this with people that I've pastored over the years. Look at this. For as soon as troubles come, they will earnestly search for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, 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 I know every one of you in here knows somebody that this fits. They've left God, they've walked away from God, they've walked away from the church, you know, no longer wants to do anything with, uh, you know, has to do with God. And then all of a sudden, when troubles start coming into their life, where do they want to go? Talk to me. Church, back to God. 
In other words, what people want to do, they want to live their life however they choose to live their life. They want to do whatever they want to do. They want to serve whatever they want to serve. But when troubles come into their life, they don't go to those false idols that they've turned to. Where do they go? They want to go, God, why is this happening to me? And here's something I hate. Please don't ever come to me and say this because I'm liable to say something I shouldn't say. If God will only get me out of this, Pastor, I'll promise I'll come to church every time the doors are open. Read my lips. No, you won't. So don't even tell me that, okay? Don't even tell me that. But God is saying here to to, to the nation of Israel, I'm going to return to my place until they admit their guilt and turn to me. For as soon as troubles come, you know, they're going to earnestly search me out. They're going to look for me. Look, nothing has changed through the years, folks. God still demands our interest. He still demands our humility. He still demands our subjection. The Christian today must be careful not uh, to allow the interest of this world to interfere with the eternal interest of God. We've got to be careful of that. And the lost of this world must understand this. If you're here today or you're watching us today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you must understand that the path you're walking is a path that leads to eternal destruction. Jesus made it clear of two paths in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. You know, he says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, the narrow path. He says... That, the highway to hell? Hey, that, 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 is there a song called The Highway to Hell, wasn't there? If not, I'll make up one. He says the highway to hell is broad. It, it, it's wide. And you know what? It's just as smooth as this floor right here, or has the appearance thereof. He says the highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide. And because of that, okay, many will choose that path. Because it has the appearance of being the easy path. And he says many are going to choose that path. But the bottom line is, folks, it is our choice as to which path we're going to walk in this life. How sad that so many people trade, trade, trade a temporary life of what they view as pleasure for an eternity in heaven. Look, Hosea was warning the people that the path they were on is a path that is taking you away from God. It is a path of danger. It is a path that is going to cause eternal destruction if you do not make a U-turn and change direction in your life. Therefore, Hosea says in Hosea 14, 9, he closes with this. May those who are wise understand what is written here. Okay, this morning, may those who are wise understand what we proclaimed here this morning. And many, that they may take it to heart. The Lord's ways are right. Okay, the Lord's ways are right, and righteous people live by following them. What? The righteous way, God's way, the Lord's way. But sinners stumble. And fall. Why do sinners stumble and fall? Hosea says because they ignore the ways of God. Look, don't ignore the ways of the things written in this book. 
What happened to Ephraim? They had taken the book. They had cast it aside and put all their focus on the idol around it. In other words, again, what's an idol? Anything that we put before God. Okay, anything that gets our undivided attention over God is an idol. What's the idol in your life this morning? What is it in your life that takes a priority over God? My counsel to you this morning is don't get so focused on that idol that you forget God and his ways and his word. Because Satan will... will, He'll make it look like there's nothing wrong here, but he's steadily taking you farther and farther away from God with that idol, which is what happened to Ephraim. And you do not want to get to the point that God says to his Holy Spirit, leave Gene alone. Leave him to his own way. Back off. Back off. And leave him alone. Don't get to that point in your life. Repent today. Repent today and accept God's way. Look, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you know, today, what did Paul say? Today is the day of repentance. Don't harden your heart, but give your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ. Child of God, if you're you're saved, but you, you know there's, some things in your life that's taking priority over God. Don't allow those things to take you so far away from God. You'll never hear his call calling you back, calling you back. I'll close with this example. I hadn't planned on it, but it just come to my mind. You know, we uh, I was raised on a ranch, 995 acres. It was a horse ranch guy, uh, a lawyer there in Houston. He had race horses and you know, we would just break the horses. A race horse, you don't have to, you know, uh, get them to where they'll range. Just green break them, get them where somebody can sit on their back and run, you know. And we had 995 acres. This is when I was younger. And, you know, we would go out in the woods and play. You know, we didn't have all these electronic things they got today. We had to use our brain and come up with something to play. And I know most of you here, that you know, exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, there would be times that I'd get so far back in those woods. What my daddy would do in order to call us in, he would get out on the porch, and he had this call, same call he used to call in his coon dogs when we was coon hunting, okay? It was just a howl, (laughs) okay? It's hard to explain. But I had better be in close enough distance to that house on that 995 acres that I could hear that call. If I wasn't, I was in trouble when I did get home. And can I tell you something? I never got, I got in trouble, I think, one time. But I never got so far away in those woods that I couldn't hear the call. And my counsel is to you, child of God, don't get so far away you can't hear the call of God or you're going to be left out there all alone. Let's pray.